Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor J.P. Troyo here. So glad that you're joining us today on our podcast. You're about to hear a message today from our weekend encounter. Uh, I pray that this message uh, encourages you, inspires you, and pushes you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to stay on track with what's going on at the church, we'd love for you to download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, or visit us on our website, www.oasischurchchicago.com. I'm praying for you, we're believing for you, and we trust that God's gonna continue to do great things in your life. God bless you. Now here's the message today. You know, it's amazing that you could be in a service and the presence of God is evident and some people get touched and some don't. It's because God is a gentleman and he only shows up in places he's invited that's why in John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever. You get to determine if you are whosoever. That's not him. God does not bend the will of men. He desires to be chosen. That's what love does. It's a choice. Have you chosen him? Not religion. Not church. Have you chosen him? When Jesus went to the cross, it wasn't a tragedy. It was an accomplishment. That he actually made it. From Genesis 3, when God gave the prophecy that the enemy would be at enmity with the seed. He made it. And you look all through scripture how Satan was trying to take out the seed for you it wasn't the nails that held him on the cross he could have came off any time it was his love for you and I that kept him on the cross so it shouldn't have been a funeral at the tomb it should have been a party he rose for you today so when I hear songs like that I'm reminded of where I came from and what he's done in my life. You'll never know you need a savior until you know you're a sinner. Do you know him? Not know of him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I invite you in this place. As a matter of fact, you're already here. I welcome you here. You will not be grieved. You will not be offended. I give you complete reign and authority. Holy Spirit, I ask you to articulate the Father's heart. Through my voice to your people, I pray that every ear is open, every heart is open, every mind is open to receive that which you have for us. So I ask you to invade this space. Not my will, but your will be done. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I always share my testimony before I preach because the Bible says we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. I won't share my long story um, because I, I believe God put something in my heart for you, but I want to give context because I always want to give God glory for what he's done in my life. But I'm from Chicago, not even... 17 miles from here, 
I grew up in the housing projects called Argyle Gardens, where my grandmother raised nine kids on welfare as a single mom. She did the best she could with what she had. And when I was 10 months old, my mother was murdered at the age of 17. She had my brother at 14, had me at 16. She was shot in the head at 17. I've never met my father, don't know who he is. My family don't know who he is. Uh, my uncle was murdered at 17. He was shot in the head. My aunt was murdered at 28 by her boyfriend. And I had another aunt that died at 15 from a brain tumor from asbestos in the projects. So my grandma raised nine kids. Four died, she raised nine grandbabies on welfare. So I grew up with the huge question mark on top of my head of who am I, why am I here? You're talking about loneliness, rejection. I mean, you name it. My desk sat next to the teachers. I was always in trouble, suspended. I was in a gang by 11, and I was selling crack cocaine by the age of 14. Made out of, out of middle school by a miracle. Made it to high school where I was the man. 2,500 kids, turnabout king, homecoming court, prom court. I was literally the most popular kid in my school. I could do whatever I wanted with whoever I wanted. I was a four-year start on a basketball team. But nobody told me at the end of popularity was emptiness. And I remember trying to fill my heart with all the void, all the stuff because of the void I had, because of the things I dealt with as a child. And I thought getting high would fix it, sleeping around would fix it. I come off being drunk and none of my problems changed. And I didn't get it. I scored a 14 on my ACT, so the schools that were recruiting me turned their back on me. I took a scholarship to a community college. I played one year there, and when I was 19 years old, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he changed my life. From that one encounter, I finished it, that community college with an associate's degree, transferred, got my bachelor's and master's degree. I'm the first ever in my family to go to college. Come on. I've been married 11 years. I have four kids. Come on. And my wife and I serve full time as the team chaplains to the Cincinnati Bengals. And so I have the honor of serving pro athletes. That's my life. I've given my life to it, and I will probably for the rest of my life. And really quick, some of y'all thinking, what does that story have to do with me? We got a couple things in common. Number one, you have to die to leave here. Ain't none of us escaping this piece alive. You get one shot at life. Once you stop breathing, it's over. The question is, how do you want to be remembered? I believe that God wants you to leave a mark on the earth with your life. Everything that God creates, he creates on purpose and for a purpose. The sun is still shining. He spoke one time, light be. He said, as long as the earth remains, seed time harvest, cold and winter, summer and heat shall not cease. How many of you guys have fruit this week? It's still producing. None of those things are made in his image. You are. So how much more should you fulfill the purpose that he has for you? The Bible says when he made man in his image, that word image means to take a photograph of. God took a selfie and made you. You look like your daddy. Not only that, the Bible says he breathed in Adam's nostrils the breath of life. That word breath literally means a piece of God himself. He's in you. Not only that, the Bible says he made man in his likeness, three-part being, spirit, soul, body, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Do you know who you are? So there's a destiny, a call on your life. You're not here by accident. Second thing we got in common, we all born sinners. You come that way. It ain't your mama fault, daddy fault, greasy, greasy, grandpappy. You born into sin. 
And it's that sin that separates us from a holy God. When Adam sinned, it broke God's heart. But he saw him anyway. In his sin, God looked for Adam. Same thing he did to Zacchaeus. In his sin, he sought him. I don't care what you did last night. God is seeking you this morning. Come on. All right, let me get to this word, man. I'm, I'm emotional. Where he at, man? What is that Tyler? The worship guy, what's his name? Jordan. I just forgot his name. Bro, what did you do to me, man? Gosh, my heart is so tender. Oh, man. So this morning, um, I, I want to talk to you about a text that comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Now, before I get there, I got to lay a foundation of context. I love teaching the word. My dominant gift is preaching, but I love teaching. So I'm going to give a little context. Jesus just been baptized. He gets up. He goes into the wilderness. He did what Adam couldn't. He paved the way for freedom at the temptation before he even got to the cross. He sees these dudes fishing and say, follow me. Now, I'm from the projects. Let a dude walk through the hood and say, follow me. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? In other words, his reputation preceded him. When your name come up, what is said about you? So they followed his dude. Right? The Bible says they follow him. And in Matthew 1... It says, in seeing the multitude, he went, when he, when he went up on a mountain, everyone say mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. So all these multitudes, we don't know how many, thousands of people is following Jesus. He goes, sit down on a mountaintop, and the Bible says his disciples came to him. I title this Discipleship Talk. See, this talk in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 is not for the world. He spoke to them in parables. What he's about to speak for three chapters is not a parable. It's for those who know him. Are y'all with me? So you got to come to Jesus if you're a true disciple. See, Christianity is the only religion that calls for maturity. You got to come to him. And come as you are. He already know. God ain't surprised at nothing you do. The Bible says your name is already, your days are already written. All you got to do is turn the page. You know what you're going to do? Yet he loves you anyway. Come on. He knew Peter would deny him. He washed Judas' feet knowing he would betray him. Are you kidding me? There's nothing that you could do that he cannot forgive you from. Man, he loves you. He died already. He ain't dying again. Come on. Just receive the forgiveness. Receive it. Just receive it. Just receive it. You don't qualify for it. He qualified you for it at the cross. Come on, somebody. So, all right. So, Jesus, chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, preaches this stuff. And these disciples like, hold on, bro. These brothers had no idea what they was getting themselves into. They just like, cool. Jesus said, follow him. There's a price to pay to follow Jesus. If you come, listen, if you casual about your faith, you'll end up a casualty. God is not building a social club. He's building an army. 
So I don't know what you think about Christianity. It's cool. No, there's a price to pay. Come on. But it's a price worth paying. It is quiet in this church. So go to Matthew 7. We're going to dive in the middle of this sermon on the mount, we call it. Remember, he's talking to disciples. If you're not born again, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we'll remedy that. Just give me a few minutes. It's not a problem. You're not here by accident. Come on. This day was planned before you were born. And that's all God does is give opportunities. He don't make men serve them. Serve him. Come on. God got the short end of the deal. He sent this only son knowing that people wouldn't choose him. It's called love. So you're going to have an opportunity here in a few minutes. Just bear with me. So go with me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Only got two verses, three points. Are y'all ready? Here's Jesus. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. If I could title this message, In this part of the Sermon on the Mount, it is choose your gate. Choose your gate. So I got three keys I'm going to teach. Number one, choose your gate. Do you know the Bible talks about gates all through the Bible? Do you know the difference between a gate and a door? A door always leads to a place of intimacy. How many of you guys got a bathroom door? Come on, somebody. How many of you got a bedroom door? Come on, somebody. That was for all the married people. Come on, somebody. Come on. A door always leads to a place of intimacy. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. What is he knocking on? Your heart. Where's your heart? It's protected by your ribs. Come on, your chest cavity is an intimate place. So a door speaks of intimacy. A gate is always broad. If you come on someone's property, there may be a gate. Come on. How many of you guys seen a sign on a gate that says, beware of dog? He's protecting the perimeter. A gate is always broad. But whatever gate you enter will be the road you go by. That's why you got to choose the right gate. Let me give you a couple examples. In Genesis chapter 19, if you don't know, read the story. How many of you guys know of a man named Lot in the Bible? Right? He's with his uncle Abraham. Right? God blesses him. They, they got herds and sheep and, and they got beef. They servants fighting. You know what I mean? And Abraham's like, yo, Lot, I need you to bounce, bro. But I want you to look at the land. Choose wherever you want to go. Anywhere you want to go. The Bible says that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Come on. So he goes to Sodom, and let's, let me give you a couple verses. And, and you know the story. How many of you guys know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay. God about to destroy it. He sent two angels. Come on, about to tear this thing inside out. Come on, somebody. John Wick can't touch these dudes. <laughs> so let's pick up the story really quick. Two verses. It says, now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. 
Now, if you know anything about the Bible, if you're sitting at the gate in Hebrew times or Bible times, you're a councilman. How many of you guys know that Chicago has a town hall? This was their town hall. This dude is chilling in the gate with the heathens. He chose his gate. Therefore, he's living among them. Wherever you choose will determine what road you go. Lord, have mercy. You know the rest of the story. God told that place up. Let me give you one more example. Acts 3, verse 1 through 6. I'm just flying for the sake of time. You know the story. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to give a few verses. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, and he asked for money from those who entered the temple. He saw Peter and John about to go into the temple and asked for money. And fixing his eyes on him, John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. They won't say receive. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. See, you can sit at the gate with the heathen, or you can sit at the gate of God. See, whatever gate you sit at, you're going to receive something. Come on, you're going to receive destruction, or you can receive life. So where you park will determine where you go. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are sitting at the gate of the wrong relationships. And you keep wondering why your heart keeps getting broken. Come on, somebody. Change your gate. Some of you sitting at the gate of depression. The moment you at the gate, you're going to enter it. Change your gate. Some of you sitting at the gate of loneliness. Change your gate. Some of you sitting at the gate of anxiety. Change your gate. If you change your gate, you won't go there. Come on, somebody. I sat at the gate of abandonment for a very long time. My mother was a prostitute. So for years, I thought I was an accident until I changed my gate. See, I found the place where it was written, God formed me in my mother's womb. It changed my life. So you got to choose the right gate. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. See, the gate in the kingdom is always small. Not everyone qualifies because not everyone's heart is right. That's why you must be born again. See, we think Christianity is a joke. The price is too high for this to be a game. Come on. You got to choose the narrow gate. And we're going to see why. Number two. Number two. You got to choose your way. Jesus said two things. He said broad is the way and difficult is the way. See, whatever gate you enter, you're going to go that way. Come on. Wide is the gate. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And isn't it amazing why, the, why that gate is so broad? Because everybody does it. There's enough room. Come on, somebody. Well, we don't want that gate. I said it before. The moment you become like someone else, you lose your value. Six billion people on the planet, not one of us have the same set of fingerprints. Not even identical twins have the same set of fingerprints. You're unique. God did not put you in a copy machine and press the green button. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Then he says, how marvelous are your works. You are a marvelous work. That's why you don't have to be like the world. They can't touch you. Come on, my name is Lamoris J. Crawford. You can't hold me, B. 
it's only one of me. There would never be another you. Why would you want to be like somebody else? I don't want the broad gate. Come on, somebody. I want the difficult one because I'm unique. You're unique. Come on. You got to choose the right way. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way. Come on. He is the gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Proverbs 14, 12. And Proverbs 16, 25. Two different places in the Bible is the exact same verse. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Are you kidding me? You got to filter your way through God's way. The Bible is a filter. One thing I pray almost every day, Holy Spirit, purify my motives. Purify my, I want what God wants. Why? Because I know I'm going to jack my life up. I did that for 19 years. Come on, somebody. You want his way. Why? His way is the best way. Everything about him is good. Why wouldn't you want him? Don't be deceived. As a matter of fact, when Jesus said that in Matthew 24, it was a command. You are responsible for not being deceived. Don't let this world deceive you. Come on. Partying and sleeping around. Sleeping with same sex. Abort. I mean, all the issues. It's not okay to rally behind sin. It's against the kingdom. He died for that. Come on. But there's a generation of people in the church that celebrate it and think it's okay. We are called to love the sinner and hate the sin. It's all right. We don't talk about sin in the church. We want to come to a place where we feel good. No, you can't get swole feeling good. If you're going to lift weights, brother, you're going to be so. If you're going to run that marathon, brother, that's our workout. Come on, somebody. It's the same in the spirit. So we all should be sowing here because we're doing hard things. We're going against the grain of culture. We're swimming up the stream for fresh water. It's a workout. Come on. It's quiet in this room. You don't want your way. You want God's way. Why? He knows what's best for you. When God sees you, he sees you to your full potential. Gideon, that dude in the cave hiding out, he looked at him and called him a mighty warrior. Are you kidding me? You will never be able to outperform the inner picture you have of yourself. You will never be able to outperform the inner image you have of you. You got to get God's image in you. If you could change, you can't see the picture when you're inside the frame. Step in him and see yourself the way he sees you. Redeemed, forgiven, righteous, love, not forsaken, not abandoned, not fatherless, not alone. That's who you are. That's his way. Come on, somebody. That way to that person seems right because he has no map. Now, I was standing at the higher Park downtown. I had to get my GPS out on my phone and type it in. You feel me? I knew how to get here because I had a map. You get to, God, you get to God's destiny because he gave us a map. But if you don't look at the map, you ain't going to know which way to go. Your life ain't about you. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you die to you. 
Come on, somebody. But the problem is we keep coming out the grave. Stay, let that dude stay dead. Bro, I see his little finger trying to come out. I got, I'll break that thing. I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but who? Christ lives in me. But the battlefield is here. You got to renew your mind with God's word. The enemy wants to plant thoughts in your mind so they can get to your heart. But before they get to your heart, they got to pass your mouth. You renew your mind by what you say. So if the enemy wants to get the word in your heart, it's like an elevator. You go boop, 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 boop. Some of y'all don't let it off the floor. You let it get right to your heart. Soon as you get any thought that's contrary to God's word, you got to speak God's word. Why the power of life and death is in the tongue. So when the enemy gives you death as a thought, you got to speak life. So if you feeling alone, the enemy telling you you're lonely. Maybe you haven't dated, you ain't got a boyfriend, you see people having babies, married, you like, I'm struggling. The enemy going to give you a thought, you'll never get married. When that thought comes, this is what you got to say. Are y'all ready? I can do all things. Now, does the Bible say some things? I can do all things. When a thought comes, you got to say, listen. Listen to me. This is very important. You have to learn how to override the inner conversations you have in your mind. The battlefield is here. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not personal. He only has one agenda. Steal, kill, and destroy the word that's in your heart. So you got to sow a seed by speaking. God said, like me. That brother ain't throw no dust in the air. Come on, somebody. The Bible says to speak those things that be not as though they were. We're the only beings to get to speak what God speaks and watch it come to pass. That's how you change. You meditate on the word day and night and you speak the word day and night. So if you ain't got no words in your mouth, this God's word, you will never change. You will stay struggle. You're dealing with anxiety, depression. There's a word for that. Greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. Come on, somebody. That got to be your confession. It's not about how you feel. We walk by and not by. Come on, somebody. It ain't about how you feel. You will change in a minute. Come on. We owing two right now. Come on. I'm changing that feeling today because we're going to win. Come on, somebody. That's just a small example. What I'm saying is your feelings change by circumstances. God's word never changes. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you don't get it in your heart, and it comes out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. What's in your heart? Got me standing on chairs in here, man. Y'all crazy. Almost done. Almost done. I got six minutes. But look what Jesus said. He said, broad is the way or difficult is the way. We don't want the broad way. Avoid Broadway. Go up Halstead. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we don't want the broad way. We want the difficult way. And the reason why we can make it through the difficult way, because he's graced us to do it. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us, ever. So even when you feel alone, it's not a feeling, he's there. It's by faith. What is faith? The substance of things hoped for. What's the evidence that you have it? You can't see it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Don't matter if you see it. 
What's the alternative? If you stop, the enemy going to get you. And that brother consistent. He don't take time out. There's no halftime in the kingdom of darkness. Come on, somebody. That dude is consistent. That brother don't stop. Overtime, everything. You can't stop. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow and turn back is not fit for the kingdom. You can quit. You will win if you don't quit. Even a broke clock is right twice a day. There's no throwing in a towel. Come on, somebody. So whatever you're facing, I want to encourage you. You keep plowing. You keep going a difficult way. Let your friends rebel. Let them sleep around on Tinder or whatever apps they use these days. Giving yourself to these knucklehead dudes. You go on a date, you get this dude four chances in conversation. If you don't bring up God one time, you go to the bathroom and you never come back. His motive is wrong. First thing come out of his mouth. First question you should ask him is, does he tithe? If that dude don't tithe, he cursed. You want to be on a curse with that dude? Come on. I'm sorry, do you tithe? I don't care how swole you is. I need to see your bank account. Come on, somebody. If he tied, all right, okay, you can let your shoulders down. Second question, how do you treat your mama? Because if he disrespect his mama, what do you think he's going to do to you? Then you need to get a resume. Oh, y'all think I'm kidding? The divorce rate in... 50 over 50 percent because people think it's a feeling you date to character you need to find out what this dude do when he get mad because once the abuse happened the damage has happened the first time how does a woman stay because he changed their picture fellas get it together if you ain't ready stop bringing girls into things that you have not matured from that ain't fed of her. You need a mentor. You need to be discipled. You need to be with men where you can confess and get some things straight. And you need a freaking job. Remember, I was coming out of college. I couldn't find a job. I looked at my wife. I was engaged at the time. I said, shorty, don't worry about it. If I can get 40 hours a week at McDonald's, we good. Because I knew in three months I'd be a manager. Give me five years, I will own that sucker. Because ain't nobody going to outwork me. Get a job. If he ain't got no job, you better run. What the heck is he doing with all his time? Video games. I wish my son would. Boy. <laughs> Go pick up paper. Do something. You don't have a right to anything you don't work for. That's the Broadway. Come on, if a man don't work, neither shall he eat. Man, that clock ain't stopping. Number three, choose your company. What did Jesus say? He said, many who go in the Broadway, few who find it. What's the it? The difficult way. Oh, my gosh. You can roll with the few or you can roll with the many. Listen to this. For your generation, there's a lot of young people in here. Stop compromising your integrity for relationships. Never prize relationship above integrity. 
If you're around people who want nothing to do with God, run. Because if you want nothing to do with God on earth, you'll have nothing to do with him in eternity. Run. I love how Jesus was very specific here. You choose your company. You park at the gate. You go the way. And who are you kicking it with? Guys I hung out with, I get saved. Stop coming around. We used to have spade nights on Fridays. Drink, girls. I get saved. I stop going. I'll be saved 20 years this December. I got baptized December 31st, 1999. This December, I'll be a Christian 20 years. In 20 years, the friends I hung out with are still getting high. Kids they can't take care of, in and out of prison. Why? I chose the difficult way. And going the difficult way does not mean you're going to get it right all the time. But we know the one who did get it right every time. Come on, somebody. If you change your friends, you change your life. This journey called life, you were not designed to go through it alone. That's why old groups are important. That's why Sunday mornings are important. That's why Wednesday nights are important. Listen, you can avoid being tempted if you just be in the right place. Listen, you cannot be tempted by something you don't desire. You put some asparagus up here off the Food Network, I laugh. Come on, saute, salt and pepper. Put the little garnish on the side. But I laugh. Not that I don't like asparagus, but I don't desire it. But if you put a Swiss roll, come on, somebody. The only woman I'm allowed to cheat with in my marriage is little Debbie. Come on, somebody. That's my, that's my baby. You know what I'm saying? Man, little Debbie be getting down. You know what I'm saying? You put little Debbie up here, the struggle is real. Because I desire her round chocolate. Come on, somebody. I desire little Debbie's. So it becomes a temptation to me. If you're in the right environment for the things you don't desire, you will overcome temptation. But if you steady putting yourself in an environment for the things you desire, sex outside of marriage, getting high, drinking, come on, somebody, you desire those things, you go there, you're going to do it every time. Change your friends. You change your life. Come on, worship team. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Do you see the life of this individual? First he was standing, then he stops. He was walking, he was standing, then he sat. That's called mediocrity. Why? He's around the wrong people. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You can walk with men who are wise and you can hang with companions or people in your life destroyed. I'll share this last story as I'm closing. You know, I grew up in a, a gang culture. All my uncles were gang in the gang. Uh, my uncle at 17 was a high seat in the gangster disciples. And so um, I 
I heard, I learned this story from someone who was close to my mom. So my mom, um, not only was a drug dealer and a prostitute, but at her funeral on the front row sat a man named Jeff Ford. Now, if you know anything about Chicago gangs, you would know who he was. And so I'm at my mom's funeral. No one knew she was 17 because of the way she carried herself and the people she hung around. Now, what's the sad story about my mother, which God has delivered me in so many ways from pain, is that if she would have just thought of her grandkids. Now, my four kids, my brother's two kids would never meet their grandmother because of the people she hung around. See, the people you hang around not only affects your life, it affects your legacy. Come on. Remember, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Are you kidding me? She is leaving Sodom. She turns around. Why? It was still in her heart. She wanted that company. God is trying to deliver you. Choose your gate. Choose your way. Choose your company. Amen. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. If you are here and you say, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm not asking you if you were raised in church. I'm asking you, is Jesus Christ the Lord? Not just Savior. Is he the Lord? When someone's Lord of your life, you have no say so over it. Have you truly surrendered your life to God through his son, Jesus Christ? I'm going to invite you to do so. This is a willful, conscious decision. The Holy Spirit is here. It's your choice. There's no pressure. But God loves you. He sent the son to die for you. We're all born sinners. But he sent the son to put us back in relationship so that we can be sons. So if you're here, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to be bold to raise your hand. Why? Because I believe that raising of hand breaks the spirit of fear off your life. It's all love here. There's no judgment here. But I just want to acknowledge you so that I can see. And also you tell a devil to shut up. Because he don't want you to make the decision. So if you hear you say you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. So I'm going to count to three. If that's you, you want to say yes to Jesus and slip your hand up. One, two, three. Thank you. Be bold. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you here. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Now, for those who raise their hands, I need you to pray this boldly and loudly to God. For those who didn't raise your hand, I want us to pray this together as a family. So everyone should be praying here. But for those who raise their hand, I need you to just focus on the Father because he's focused on you. So let's all pray this by faith. Say, Father in heaven, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent of my sins. I turn away from my sins. And I turn to you. Jesus Christ, thank you for coming to the earth, for bearing my sins on the cross, being buried in the grave, yet raising up again on the third day for me. I put my hope, 
I put my trust and I put my life in your hands. Now, Holy Spirit, fill me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.